Man, so glad to be here. My name is Caleb. For those of you that are new, I'm one of the pastors and uh, just excited to kick off this new series. Uh, we're kicking off a new series today called Love is a Verb and uh, looking forward to talking about relationships with you, uh, looking at relationships from a few different angles. And so this idea of love as a verb is that love is an action. It's not a mushy, gushy feeling. It is an action. It's something we have to put into action. And so I'm really excited to hit on a few different uh, areas and topics as we address this idea of love as a verb. So here's what we're going to do over the next four weeks. Just wanted to give you guys a little preview of what this is going to look like. So today I'm talking to you about the priority of love. But the next three weeks, so make sure you come back, are the pursuit of love, the partnership of love. And then we're going to do a panel and we're going to have a little talk on the purity of love. So we're going to actually take your questions. We'll start taking questions over the next few weeks. So make sure you come back. Bring somebody with you. It's going to be a great time together in the Word. If you have your Bibles, though, you can go to John chapter 4 right now. John chapter 4 and be reading a story uh, from Jesus' life when he met a woman at a well, a Samaritan woman. But I want to talk to you about priorities. Man, priorities matter. Where your priorities lie matter. And I think a lot of us today, um, we could know our priorities simply by looking at our calendar. All we got to do is look at our calendar. We know where our priorities lie. Look at our bank account and we can know where our priorities are. Here's the truth. 50% of marriages end in divorce. Did you know that? In America, in our country, 50% of marriages end in, end in divorce. So half. That means your odds... At lifelong love are actually not great. They're one in two in today's culture, in this culture that we live in. Love doesn't last. It just doesn't in our culture. It does not last in the culture that we are raised in. And if you're going to have a love that lasts, then you have to know where love truly lies. And so that's why today we're talking about the priority of love. About what does love look like and what priority is love in your life. Man, my wife and I, we've been married for almost 10 years. Crazy to think about. So we're, we are no love expert, experts by any means, but I do believe we've learned some things over the last 10 years. In fact, for a long time, we would do relationship series, and I felt uh, unqualified to talk about them. But now, after all these years, I actually feel like, okay, I got something to bring. I got something that I've learned in a decade of marriage. And, uh, but my wife and I, we have a joke, or she has a joke, she actually often says that, you guys heard of the five love languages? You've heard of these? Okay. And so she often says that I have none of them because I'm a robot. And she has all five of them. What that means is she needs a lot of love. Um, but that also means she gives a lot of love. And so she always jokes that I have no love languages and I'm a robot and I don't need anything. But I found that a few weeks ago our schedules were just really busy for about a week straight. Uh, you know, we have kids and they're getting older now. They're playing sports. They're in activities. Uh, we go to the gym now consistently, both of us about at different times because one of us got to be home with the kids. And so we just were seeing each other less for this week and we weren't connecting as much. And at the end of the week, I like sat her down and I just like complained about how I wasn't feeling loved by her. I spent like a good few minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes talking to her about how I felt like she was like ignoring me and I wasn't receiving enough love from her. And I'm, I'm like going on and on and she's like laughing. 
She's laughing as I'm just pouring out my heart because she's like, Caleb, this is the biggest role reversal in the history of our relationship. You are telling me how I'm not giving you enough love. And it was one of those moments though where I want to say, look, we're all still learning. We're all still growing. Our relationships are all still developing and we haven't figured it all out. But I do think that communication is a huge part of that. But at the end of the day, love is something that we need. We were designed, we were made to give and to receive love. And so a lot of us in this world and in today's culture, we feel like love is missing from our lives. We feel like we're lacking love in our hearts and in our spirits. And I believe it's because we've lost the idea that Jesus has to be our first priority when it comes to love. A lot of us are looking and we think we're looking for the one And so once we find the one, they become our priority. But your spouse must be your number two because Jesus is your number one. Jesus is our priority. He must be our priority for us to live the life and live in the relationships the way God is calling us to live in relationships. So let's read John chapter 4. I'm going to read this story of the Samaritan woman at the well with Jesus. This is... An interesting encounter because Jesus talking to a Samaritan in this culture was something that was looked down upon. It was frowned upon. They did not want or encourage. And in fact, it was basically racism that these individuals, that Jews would not associate with Samaritans. They saw them as hybrids. They saw them as, um, they, they had twisted even their religious beliefs they had taken Judaism and twisted it and mixed it with idolatry and so they looked down on them completely so they would actually people from Jewish people would even travel around Samaria they take the long route to get to where they were going because they didn't want to travel through this land of these people so let's read John chapter 4 I'm going to start in verse number 7 says a woman from Samaria came to draw water Jesus said to her give me a drink For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us from your word. You would give me uh, the clarity and the ability to share what it is you want me to share. And Lord, may our hearts be open and understand what it means to put you as our first priority. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. I came across a quote this week. It says this, become the person you are looking for is looking for. 
by unknown. So I know there's a lot of single people. Where are my single people at? Make some noise. Come on in the house. Single people. Okay, there was a, that, that was okay. That, this was your chance. You should have put your hand up so y'all could look around and be like, oh, okay, I see him, I see her. Married people, where are you at? Make some noise in the house. Oh, they're more excited. So this idea of being the person you are looking for is looking for is something that as single people you need to think about. Because I think a lot of us are out there and we're like, man, I'm looking for this type of person, I'm looking for this type of person, but are we taking care of ourselves? Are we becoming who we should be becoming? We want somebody that loves Jesus, but are we ourselves loving Jesus? We want someone that has their life together. Do we ourselves have our act together? So here's the one thing I want you to take away from today is this. It's learning to love Jesus first enables you to love like Jesus second. See, what's happened is a lot of us, we're trying to love people. We're trying to love in relationships. We're trying to love in our marriages. We're trying to love the people around us. The problem is we've been lowering our bucket in the wrong well. Or we're doing it from a place of lack of emptiness. And what we need to do, if we're going to ever love like Jesus, we have to start by loving Jesus. Learning to love Jesus. Because when you learn to love Jesus and your life is rooted in the love of Jesus, then you operate and love not out of a lack, but out of a place of overflow. Because when you learn to love Jesus, he lavishes love back upon you, and then you have that well to draw from. So we must learn to love Jesus first. He is our first priority. That's what I wanted to talk to you about today. This idea of the priority of love, that Jesus would be your number one. Your spouse is your number two. Jesus is your number one. So I want to talk to you about how to make loving God your priority. First is this, remove. Everybody say remove. We have to remove some things from our life in order to make loving God the priority of our life. Now, I'm not saying they're all bad things, but there are sinful things that need to be removed. So that's the first thing you need to remove, sinful things. I got three things under remove. The first thing is sinful things. There are some sinful things in your life that you may need to remove. Some things that are holding you back from God. Maybe it's sin that people know of, or maybe it's sin that's in hiding. It's sin in the dark. But either way, there are sinful things that we need to remove from our life because we can't make loving God our priority if sin has a hold of us. It's got its teeth in us. It's got, it's got, it's got a hold of our lives and our actions, of our heart. So the first thing is sinful things. But I think that most of us recognize that, yeah, these sinful things are holding me back from loving God. But there's a second thing that also is holding us back from loving God that we need to remove, and that's unnecessary things. It's not sinful, it maybe isn't even bad, but maybe it's unnecessary. Maybe there's an unnecessary thing in your life that you have that you're holding on to, that you're grabbing onto, that is taking a lot of your time, a lot of your energy, a lot of your effort that you need to let go of. And the third is this, it is detrimental things. So are there unnecessary things or detrimental things that are holding you back? So an example of an unnecessary thing is, for me, television. Is it sinful? No. Is it bad? No. Is it wrong? No. But what I found was that I was spending, I'd wake up in the morning, before I went to work, I wanted to watch it. I'd get home, and the first thing I wanted to do was put it on. And I was spending all this time watching and consuming what I saw on this television 
When I wanted and, and had dreams and desires, I wanted to read more. I wanted to study more. I wanted to spend more time with God. I wanted to pray more. I wanted to write more. But I couldn't do that because I was spending all of my time watching. It had become a detrimental thing. Not only that, but for me, this is another detrimental and often unnecessary thing. Now, is it necessary? Yeah, I need this. I need it to work. I need it to do life. Uh, I, I need it to, to keep my schedule. Some of you like me, you can't remember anything. If, if I don't get an, uh, an alarm, an alert every day on every meeting, I won't make it, right? So this is necessary most of the time. But what I found is, and my wife was getting on me because at night, she was like, here's our new rule. From 6 to 8 p.m., we don't go on our phones because that's when our kids are, you know, eating dinner with us and then we're, we're getting them ready for bed and they go to sleep at 8 and, and then we have some time to ourselves, from 6 to 8 p.m. And she was trying to tell me the other day that I'm on my phone more than she's on her phone. And so I got mad and I'm like, let's look up the data. So I went online and I brought up the data and I was like, check it here, girl. You are on, you have used more data than me. So I got in this argument with her and then she tried to say, well, it's because you always get on Wi-Fi and I don't. Right? She had an excuse. <laughs> Ladies, I know you use this. You're more diligent about getting on Wi-Fi. But at the end, of the day, it doesn't matter if she uses more data or I use more data. The reality is this, she was right. The reality is this, and I don't know, we husbands, we don't always like it when our wives are right, but they are often. And, and so she was right. And whether she's on it or not, at the end of the day, I need to get off it because it's become an unnecessary thing. It's become a detrimental thing from being the father I want to be, from being the husband I want to be. So what do you need to remove from your life so you can make loving God and loving your spouse, loving the people around you, your priority? When I first started talking to my wife, uh, this was 10 years ago plus, uh, we were long distance. We actually knew each other in college, but we didn't date. And we went our separate ways. And I actually one day had a dream about her. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about dreams and how God speaks in dreams. I had a dream about my wife. And I felt like God was saying that that was the woman I was going to marry. The problem was I hadn't talked to her in two years. And so I had this dream about her. And, uh, and as I dreamt about her, I was like, man, God, is this from you? And so I was like, God, I need, I, I'm going to lay out a fleece. This is an Old Testament thing. Gideon did this. And so I said, God, if it's you, I need her to call me tomorrow. Hadn't talked to her in two years. God, if this is you, I need her to call me tomorrow. And so I put that fleece out. So I go into my office the next day after lunch, and I have a voicemail. I pick up my office phone, and there's a voicemail from Chrissy Daco. And I knew right there, she's about to be Chrissy Cole. It's about to go down. <laughs> Chrissy Daco. We used to call her Crispy Taco in college. <laughs> Chrissy Daco left me a voicemail. So I got off the phone. I sent her an email real quick. I sent her this email. I said, I said, how single are you on a scale of one to five? Because we were just talking business because she, she was working for a nonprofit. They were trying to raise money. So I said, on a scale of one to five, how, how single are you? She gave me her phone number. I called her. The rest is history. But let me tell you what happened. At this very same time, I got off the phone with her. There was a girl in my life that I was spending a lot of time with. Now, I knew that this was not the girl for me for my future. I knew that I was not going to marry this girl, but I also liked the attention. I liked the affection. 
I liked it because I felt lonely at times. And so I had this girl who was in my life, and I got off the phone with my wife, and I had to make a decision. She wasn't my wife yet, but I got off the phone with Chrissy Daco, and I had to make a decision. Was I going to cut off and remove this unnecessary relationship so I could walk in to the relationship that I believe God had for me. So literally the next day, I was like, we're done. I cut it off. Why? Because sometimes you got to remove things if you're going to make what matters most a priority in your life. What do you need to remove from your life to make God the priority? John 15, 5 says this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him. He, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're going to be rooted, if you're going to be a part of the vine, you're going to be attached to the vine, you have to decide to remove that which is pulling you away from the vine. Because the only way you're going to bear fruit is if you're rooted in Jesus. If you're rooted in him. For your relationship to improve, what do you need to remove? I want you to think about that right now. For your relationship to improve, what do you need to remove? What do you need to remove from your life to improve your relationship with your spouse? Maybe that dating relationship. Maybe you're engaged. For your relationship with God to improve, what do you need to remove? I think we all could think of some things that we could remove or should remove so we could have a better relationship with God and make him our number one priority. Second today is restore. Everybody say restore. How do we make loving God our priority? We have to let him restore some things. We have to let him bring some restoration to our life. So two years ago, so you all know I love playing basketball. I talk about it all the time. Two years ago, I'm playing basketball. And uh, I go to drive to the hoop, and I felt like someone hit me in the back of the leg with a bat. And I fall down, and I can't walk because it's my Achilles. I thought I had torn, ruptured my Achilles. And so I go to the doctor the next day, and uh, by God's grace, they tell me, no, your Achilles is still intact, but you have micro tears all up it and into your calf. And so they put me in this giant black walking boot. I mean, this thing was so awkward. You ever worn one of these? And so restrictive, and I look so dumb, right? And thankfully, I, I could kind of walk. And so on Sundays, I took it off just to come up here and preach so y'all never knew. And then I put it back on when I got off the stage. But I had this giant walking boot. I had to wear it for a month. Why? Because the restriction led to the restoration of my Achilles, and what I've found is that a lot of us, we don't like that God is restricting some aspects of our life. We're going, God, why are you holding me back? God, why are you putting me in, in, in this little lane? God, why are you keeping me here? Why are you holding me back from these things I want to do, from these places I want to go, from these dreams that I have? But what God may be doing is restricting you so he can restore you. In order to be restored, there are some things that must be restricted. For my Achilles to heal... I had to restrict the movement and that eventually it was restored and now I'm playing again and running. I feel great. It's the same way in your life. So when God res restricts some things for you, restricts some area of your life, maybe right now you're single. You're like, why have I been single for so long? God, why are you doing me like this, right? Why are you restricting me like this? Maybe because he needs to restore something in you. He needs to restore something in your spirit, something in your heart. God is a God of restoration, he wants to restore us. Ephesians 5 chapter, or Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 uh, and 25. Man, this is a great, 
example and, and description of the roles of husbands and wives in the church and, and in, in each other's in, in a marriage relationship. And here's what happens though. We don't like this because it feels different than what our culture even says. So here's what it says in Ephesians 5, It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And so wives are like, don't you know this is the year of Wonder Woman? <laughs> you know, like, don't you know the culture we live in? Like, uh-uh, I ain't trying to submit. I ain't trying to submit to no man. And then we go to verse 25, and it says, husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it's saying, wives, you need to submit, and husbands, you need to die. And the wives are going, I ain't trying to submit, and the husbands are going, I ain't trying to die for nobody. And then we wonder why our relationships aren't working. It's because we look at scripture and we fight it. We care more about what culture says than what God says. But God wants to restore a right and a proper description of what marriage looks like. Now, we're going to get more into this, all right, in the coming weeks about marriage. I'm not going in that deep tonight or today. But I want you to come back because we're going to talk about mutual submission, what that looks like, what biblical submission looks like. I'm going to go more into it. But here's the reality. God restricts us in some ways. Why? Because he's trying to restore what was meant to be in the first place. Healthy marriages, healthy relationships. And so we need to trust God more than we trust our own thoughts. Because let me tell you, your thoughts will lead you astray. We need to trust God more than we trust our culture because God is a God of restoration. And he wants to restore the relationships even in this room right now. Some of you need restoration. God is going to restore you. So real quick, two, two steps to restoration. First, we need to believe it, believe for it. You want restoration in your life, restoration in your heart, restoration in your spirit. I know some of you in this place, you've been divorced, maybe you've been divorced multiple times. God is saying right now he wants to restore you. He wants to restore your spirit, wants to restore your heart. I believe God still has something for you. That doesn't mean your story is ending. That was just one chapter. God has a new story for you. He's going to turn the page on a new chapter. He wants to restore your life, restore your future. But here's the thing, you got to believe it. You got to believe that God can restore you. Some of you are feeling so broken right now. You got to say, God, I need you to heal me. I need you to restore me. I need you to put me back right so I'm ready for what you have next for me. And second, we got to reveal it. Here's what I'm talking about. We got to reveal what may be holding us back from the restoration that God has for us. I'm talking about the sin. Let me go back now to this story. Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman which was very countercultural, And I love this because I, I believe that Jesus, he, he was no respecter of persons. And some of you think that you're not worth his time. And I'm here to tell you that he sees you, that he knows you, that he loves you, and he would chase you even to a place that no one else would go. He would take the time to stop at a well for you. And he stops at a well for this woman, a Samaritan woman of all people, and he starts to talk to her. She says, why are you talking to me? Then he tells her about the water. He talks to her about water. He says, can you get me some water? And he says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would be asking me for water because once you drink of my water, you'll never thirst again. And she's like, what? Give me some of that. Like, I want some of that water. And then he does something that's so interesting. Because right after she says, okay, I want some of that water, he says, now go get your husband. And then she tells him, well, I don't have a husband. Then he speaks into her sin. He says, you're right. You've had five husbands, 
And the man you're with right now is not even your husband. Why? Because God was trying to reveal so that he could restore. God can't restore you until he reveals and brings to the surface that which is hidden. We want God to bring us blessings, and we want God to have a great future for us, and we, got, we want God to take us to the promised land, but we're not willing to reveal that which is holding us back. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Because it's painful. So I want to say, you want to be restored. You want to make loving God your priority. Let him and allow yourself to reveal that which needs to be revealed. Bring to the surface that which means to bring, needs to be brought to the surface. And what I've seen too is a lot of people are like, yeah, I want victory in this sin. I want victory in this area. And they mess up and they do nothing to gain victory. You're not going to gain victory if you just say, I want victory. You're going to gain victory by surrounding yourself, by bringing it to the light, by talking to somebody about it, by having people that you know, that you trust, that can, you can say, help me. I need your strength. I need you to talk to me. I need you to hold me accountable. God wants to restore, but we got to reveal. we got to reveal what is hidden so God can restore that which was broken. Third and finally, how to make God, loving God, our priority is we got to refill. Everybody say Refill. What needs to be refilled in your spirit, in your life, in your heart by God? You see, no one else can refill what's been emptied out by this world. This world wants to empty you. This world wants to empty your soul, empty your heart. The enemy is out there seeking who he may devour. He's out there to kill He's out there to steal. He's out there to destroy. And a lot of us are feeling empty right now. We're feeling empty. We're feeling like we're operating on empty. And we're like this woman who keeps going back to the well. She keeps going back to the same well so that she has water, so that she can drink. Listen to me this. Loving God is not for God. Loving God is not for him. Learning to love God is for us. Because when we learn to love God and our love is rooted in God, then we overflow and walk out the love of God in our relationships. You know, I'm a father. I have three kids and they're beautiful and amazing. But I want to tell you, I want their love. But I care more about them learning to love. You get that? Like, I want their love, and God is desperate for your love. It says he's jealous for you. But he cares more about you learning to love than he does just receiving your love. I would love to receive my kids' love. The other day, my six-year-old told me he hated me because I beat him in a race on our bikes. He's like, I hate you. I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude. Like, that is really harsh. But he's a child. And he says some things that he doesn't even realize he's saying or how hurtful they could be. But what I care more about than receiving his love is him learning how to be a person that loves. And that's how God is with us. The other day we had our kindergarten, I I coach their kindergarten basketball team and I I told you guys about this. Yesterday is our second to last game. And on the way, way there I told my boys, I said, listen, there's one girl on our team who has not scored this whole season. She's not made a shot. And I said, today is the day we're going to get her the ball and she's going to make a shot. 
So I said, here's what I need you guys to do. I need you to pass her the ball when I tell you to pass her the ball. They're like, okay. So we get there. It's the last quarter. And I tell the little girl, I go, hey, go stand under the hoop. Tell her to go stand under the hoop. And I yell at my son. I go, hey, right now, pass her the ball. So he comes flying down the court and literally hands her the ball. And she shoots. It's only like her second or third shot of the season and makes it. And the, the team goes nuts. The, the parents are going nuts because she had the only one on our team that had not scored makes her first shot. She's jumping up and down. And man, in the car on the way home, I'm talking to my boys. And I'm like, how did that feel, guys? You see, that wasn't about you, but it was about you helping someone else. I want to teach them what it means to love, to love people, to care as much about other people's dreams as they do about theirs, to learn to love that one day they'll be able to, that I'm trying to teach them to respect their mother and their sisters, that one day they'll be able to love a wife well. You see, the problem is a lot of us, we're, we're operating from empty because our love has not been rooted in Jesus Christ. Or we're not loving him first and we're looking for the one and we think that once I find the one, they'll complete me. There was a movie a few years back and they said, you complete me. Let me tell you something, no person can complete you. Only Jesus Christ can complete you. We are going into relationships half full people. We're going into relationships not understanding what it means to love because Jesus has not been the priority of our love. Of our love. But when he is our priority, when he is the one that we focus on in love, when he is priority number one, then we operate out of an overflow rather than a lack. So here's what a lot of us are doing. I got a bucket with a lot of rope. We're taking our bucket and we're lowering it in the wrong wells. And we keep putting it down in that well and then we bring it up and we're satisfied for a moment. We're satisfied for a day. We're satisfied for a few weeks. But then we feel out of nowhere empty again and broken again and desperate again. And so we, we go back to that same well and we think, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fill me up. And we fill our bucket and we bring it back up. But this time it lasts even less. The, the, the satisfaction isn't even near as great as it was the first time. So then we, we go try another well. That doesn't work. So we go back to that same well. That doesn't work. We're lowering our buckets in all the wrong wells. And Jesus said something to the Samaritan woman. He said, if you drank of my water, this living water, you would never thirst again. So I want to tell you, I want to encourage you that we would make Jesus our priority. Jesus the priority of our love. Jesus priority number one in our life. Because when we do, when we go over to the right well, to the well of living water, and we lower our bucket into him, it is something that will satisfy us forever. It is something that will satisfy us for eternity. It is something that will fill us up and will never feel empty again. Will you be perfect? No. Will you have moments of desperation? Yes. But I'm here to tell you that you can keep going back to the source of water and eternal water and water where you will never thirst again. And his name is Jesus. This woman says something. She says, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come back here to draw water. 
I think it's interesting that right after that, Jesus says to her, where's your husband? You see, her well was men. She had had five husbands, and now she's with the new dude. Living with this dude, most likely sleeping with this dude, and it's not even her husband. And Jesus speaks to it. He says, you're going to the wrong well. You're lowering your bucket in the wrong well, and you keep feeling empty. And that's why you keep moving on to a new, a new one, and another one, and trying another man, and a dude, new dude, a new relationship, a new thing. And we're doing the same thing. We're lowering our buckets in all the wrong wells. And all the while, Jesus is standing there. He's saying, listen, all you got to do is come to my well, the well of living water, and you will never thirst again. Is Jesus your priority? Is Jesus the priority of our life? We are throwing our buckets in the wrong wells. And I'll tell you, we haven't truly experienced him because we don't recognize, a lot of us, just how broken we are. We don't recognize just how much we need him. Just how much we're desperate for him. Learning to love Jesus first enables you to love like Jesus second. My wife's up here with me. Look at her. Keep going, girl. Oh, my goodness. I'm married. I, when I first started talking, I didn't even know she had skills like this, y'all. I didn't even know. Sometimes there's talent hidden. You don't even know. When the Lord brings them to you in a dream, you run after that. But listen, we've been married 10 years, and our marriage has not been perfect. She'll tell you. <laughs> it has not it's been anything but perfect. We're, we're messed up, broken, just like everyone else. But I want to tell you something. I believe why we have had a relationship that has been, I would say, and she would say, characterized by health and characterized by joy and char characterized by consistency and characterized by love and characterized by purpose and characterized by moving forward in our dreams together. You want to know why? Because Jesus, when we came into this, Jesus was priority number one. We weren't coming and, and saying, complete me. Complete me. She was just saying to me, complete me, complete me. We were already complete because we knew Jesus Christ. When you know Jesus, you are complete. When you walk with Jesus, you are complete. And then when you come into a relationship, you're not trying to get. You are there to give. You're not trying to drain someone. You're operating from a full bucket. And too many of us are in relationships and our buckets are empty. Or our buckets are, are barely have anything in it. And we're trying to... To, to pour into someone else because they're trying to get from us and we're trying to get from them and we're just operating out of a place of emptiness, out of a place of lack, out of a place of desperation and we wonder why we never feel satisfied. It's because Jesus came to give you life and life eternal. He came to give you eternal water. He came to give you water so you'd never thirst again. And when you know him, your bucket is full. When you know him, you operate out of a place of overflow, not a place of lack. He wants to refill you today. Some of you are empty. Let Jesus refill you. Make him your priority again. You're empty because he hasn't been your priority. And right now he's saying, let me refill your life with my presence, with my power, with my love, with my joy, with my purpose, with my hope. We serve a God that loves us so much. He's desperate for us. He's running after us. Let's make him our priority. Would you bow your heads with me across this place?